We were told, okay, carrots are important for eye health. And so, yes, you should eat carrots, but you need to go well beyond carrots. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Dr. Ronnie Bannock. Today, we're going to talk about how to keep our vision, diving into how to protect our eyes, if we should be wearing blue light blocking glasses, and what the best nutrition for eye health is. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint podcast. Today, I have on guest Dr. Ronnie Bannock. She's America's integrative eye doctor. She's a board certified ophthalmologist and fellowship trained neuro-ophthalmologist with additional training in functional medicine. Dr. Ronnie focuses on the root cause of eye diseases and uses integrative strategies for conditions such as macular degeneration, cataracts, dry eye, glaucoma, and autoimmune diseases of the visual system. Her treatments are based on nutrition, botanicals, lifestyle modification, essential oils, and supplements. She runs a private practice based in New York City and is also an associate professor of Mount Sinai in New York City, where she serves as an educator and researcher. As principal investigator on several clinical trials and diseases of the optic nerve, Dr. Rani uses cutting-edge approaches such as nanotechnology and gene therapy. Dr. Rani is frequently featured as an expert in the media and has been interviewed on Good Morning America, CBS, NBC, ABC, The New York Times, The Washington Post, and Fox, amongst many others. Dr. Rani has been voted as Castle Connolly Top Doctor and New York Magazine's Best Doctor in Ophthalmology every year since 2017. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rani. Thank you so much, Dr. Stephanie. Thank you for that kind introduction. Thank you. Well, tell me your story. So where did you first have your aha moment that there was more to eye health than conventional medicine, or I should say more than meets the eye, maybe? Exactly. And and you started incorporating functional medicine to help your patients keep their vision. So tell our listeners your story. Yeah. So I love telling this story because it really, it changed my life completely. Um, And it all started with my own health journey. So I suffer from migraines and I'd had migraines since I was in my twenties, but things progressively got worse as the years went on in my thirties and forties. And then there got to a point where I was having a migraine every single day. And if you've ever had a migraine before, you know how miserable that could be. But, um, but I was suffering every day and I went to the top doctors in my area, New York city, and they all just kept prescribing me medication after medication, after medication, nothing was working. So finally I, I was having all these side effects. I felt like a zombie. I said, I really need to find a better solution. And I started to do research and I realized that there are so many natural ways to treat migraine, uh, whether it's diet, supplements, botanicals, meditation, yoga, not one of my doctors. And again, these are the top doctors in New York city for migraine. Not one of them ever mentioned anything like that to me. No one ever suggested that. So I really started to do more research and I came across functional medicine and I found it really fascinating. I was like, why, why weren't we taught this in medical school? You know, it's such an integral part of health is what we eat, how we live, our choices. And so I really decided to do a deep dive dive into it. So I just, I began to get certified with Institute for Functional Medicine. And then I realized, you know, this is really not applied to eye health either. And I really, I, that's when I started to do all my research into uh, macular degeneration, glaucoma, cataracts, what is the root cause? How can we treat it? How can we prevent it? And how can we keep people seeing well throughout their lifetime? That's my story in a nutshell. So were you able to alleviate your migraines? (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I was, you know, with, it wasn't overnight. It definitely took some time. I had to adjust many things. My diet, for example, like I never thought about this, but I was living off of junk food for the majority of my young adult life. I would eat pizza 
ice cream and drink diet soda all day long. And I never once thought maybe these choices are really having a detrimental effect on my health. And once that was like, had that aha moment, it really made a difference. I cut out caffeine, not to say that you have to cut out caffeine completely, but I really reduced it. I was having this is crazy. I, I hate to admit this, but it's true. I was having eight to 12 caffeinated drinks a day. Whoa. And not once did I think there was anything wrong with that. Yeah. And that was really what was like propagating my migraine. So once I made those changes, things started to get better. I don't take any daily prescription medications anymore for migraine. I do if I have you know a really bad day. And once in a while, I will have a bad day, but it's not every day like it used to be. Well, that's good to hear. Speaking of nutrition, let's stay on that topic. So how important is nutrition for eye health? Because I'll tell you, my eye doctors never once mentioned nutrition to me. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is the cornerstone. It is the foundation of maintaining good vision. And probably the reason why your eye doctor never mentioned it to you is because we're not taught. And it's, it's just the truth. Like we're not taught in medical school. We're not taught in residency. We're never taught. And I hope things will change. And I do hope to be one of the um, people to educate my peers in this, because again, many ophthalmologists, optometrists, they're just never told. We were told, okay, carrots are important for eye health because they have vitamin A or a derivative of vitamin A, beta carotene. And it's good to prevent night blindness, good to prevent dry eye. But beyond that, most eye doctors don't know. And the truth is I even didn't know until I started to really you know, look into really what was the problem. So what are some foods, you mentioned carrots, quickly, what are some foods we should be eating for our vision? I always think antioxidants. That is true. Antioxidants are so important because the eye is very delicate. It has many delicate structures and they're very prone to oxidative damage, oxidative stress, whether it's metabolic byproducts, toxins in our environment, even light toxicity. So we need a diet that's rich in antioxidants. So vitamins A, C, and E, we need glutathione, we need alpha lipoic acid, we need N-acetylcysteine. I mean, this is just kind of like the top of the iceberg here when I'm talking about antioxidants, but it's best to get them from foods. And so yes, you should eat carrots, but you need to go well beyond carrots. And some of the best foods for eye health include leafy greens, if you can tolerate them, because I know some people can't, but like spinach, kale, Swiss chard, um, broccoli, the sulforaphanes are great as well to promote detoxification, cauliflower, berries of any kind are amazing for eye health because they have the bioflavonoids, not just antioxidants, but the bioflavonoids. Um, resveratrol is wonderful as well. So um, it's actually been shown to pr uh, protect the optic nerve, prevent against glaucoma. So the majority of the, the foods that, that are best for eye health are plant-derived. So it really is important to have a plant-rich diet. You don't have to be plant-based, but plant-rich. So I usually say at least five cups of various different colors in your diet of fruits and vegetables every day. For some people, just one or two may be a good start, <laughs> but that's good. Exactly. Yes, work <laughs> start somewhere. Exactly. Have some color in your diet. Speaking of color, let, let's talk about blue light blocking glasses. You mentioned the, the blue light kind of toxicity. And before the interview here, I was asking you questions. For the listeners who can see the video, I have some blue light blocking glasses, one I just got on Amazon, and they're clear and there's really no tint there, I guess. These have more of a reflective blue kind of coating. And I kind of always just wondered, well, well, let's talk about the benefits of blocking blue light when we should wear them. But also, can you speak to the quality, right? Because when I look at these and they look different, I think, okay, did I get gypped? Is this just a cheap pair of Amazon or is this actually working? Or what are the best companies? How do we determine quality on blue light blocking glasses and, and do we need them? 
Yeah. I mean, I I get this question every single day from patients, from parents of kids, because our kids are on screens all the time. So I'll just start off by explaining about blue light. So blue light comes from many sources. It comes from the sun and it helps to regulate our sleep-wake cycle. It basically tells our bodies it's time to wake up. And then as the sun goes across the sky, the amount of blue light coming from the sun decreases and it signals to our our bodies that it's time to wind down, get ready for bed. But our devices also emit blue light. So any kind of device, whether it's your phone, your tablet, your laptop, your computer, even your TV monitor emits blue light and it's artificial blue light. So it can interfere with sleep, the sleep-wake cycle, but it can also lead to a syndrome called digital eye strain. And probably many people have experienced this. I mean, I think the majority of people, especially in the past year when we're on screen so much, have had some degree of this, but it's, it's a constellation of symptoms. So blurry vision, trouble focusing, light sensitivity, headaches, sometimes even neck and shoulder pain. So all that falls under the umbrella of digital eye strain. So the question is, do blue blockers help protect against digital eye strain? Well, it's very controversial. So in the ophthalmology optometry world, it's extremely controversial. And the reason is because, uh, first of all, I'll say that the blue light coming from your screen does not do any permanent damage. So yes, most of us spend, you know, eight to 10 or more hours a day on a screen. It's not going to permanently damage you. It's not going to cause you to go blind. So I just want to make that very clear, but it can cause digital eye strain. The the studies that have been done looking at blue light and blue blockers, unfortunately, weren't that well designed. So one study that was just published a few months ago had healthy people put on blue blockers and look at a screen for two hours and the blue blockers didn't really make a difference. They had a placebo group as well. The truth is that most of us spend way more than two hours on a screen. And the other thing people don't realize is that in that study, the blue blockers that they used only blocked about 30% of the blue light. So it may be that you need to get a blue blocker that's blocking more of the blue light to really get the benefit. But I know like just anecdotally, when I put on my blue blockers, I feel so much better so much more comfortable, particularly late into the night. And I know that when I wear them, I don't have as much trouble with sleep, falling asleep or staying asleep versus when I don't wear them, it is harder to stay asleep. So let's talk about different types of blue blockers. I have two right here. And so you can see like one has a lighter tint. It's kind of a yellow tint and the other one's like a deep, deep red. And so the truth is that there are so many manufacturers of blue blockers on the market. It's it's been an exploding industry and the tint really makes a difference. If you really want to get the full benefit of getting a blue blocker, you want to get a deeper tint, either orange or amber or red. And the reason is because a lighter blue blocker will block the blue light, but less. That's less, so a, lo- a lower percentage of the blue light. And the way you can tell is basically you just put on your blue blocker and you look at a screen and you look at the color blue on a screen. And if you can still see blue or you know some subtle shade of blue, it means that that blue blocker is not blocking much of that blue light. So probably I'm guessing that your blue blocker, the one with the blue tint, the first one you tried on is probably blocking maybe like 20 to 30% of the blue light. This one's probably blocking much, much less. I don't know if you can tell a difference. Like when you look at at the color blue versus if you put on a deeper tint blue blocker, when I look at my, my screen, I see no blue whatsoever. It basically looks black to me. When I'm working um, and I'm having a little bit of digital eye strain, I'll wear my lighter colored ones. But when I'm working late into the night, and I'm really bothered by it. If I have dry eye, if I'm like really feeling light sensitive, I'll wear these. So that's my tip is just, you know, and and the way you can know is the manufacturer just ask them, just ask them how much blue light does it really block? And they will tell you um, if it's not on the product specifications, just ask them. Simple tip. I totally agree with what you've said. I track my sleep with my aura ring here. And if I do read at night, 
instead of watching TV, you know, <laughs> if I want, if I wear my blue light blocking glasses, <laughs> uh, I'm away from the blue light reading. And then A, if I also wear the blue light blocking glasses, I do get into sleep quicker and I know I'm getting into deep sleep. So I feel like I can prove it. So I'm convinced that I, even with my cheap old 25%. (laughs) I mean, they they still have, I I still think they are beneficial. It's better than nothing, especially if you have to work late into the night. The other thing I just wanted to add is that, so our screens emit blue light, but a lot of our bulbs also emit blue light. So many people have switched over to energy saving bulbs like CFL bulbs, compact fluorescence, LEDs. All of those artificial light sources emit blue light. So incandescent bulbs emit very, very little. So I know it's harder to find. It's harder to find these days, but if you can get an incandescent bulb, particularly in your bedroom, and now they have these great smart bulbs. I don't know if you've ever seen them, Stephanie, but they have like bulbs that change color depending on the time of day. Like it knows you can sync it with your phone, use an app, and it will know your geographic location. So it knows when when the sun is rising, when the sun is setting, and it will adjust the color of that bulb depending on where you are and lower that blue light or basically eliminate the blue light. So it's, it's a really amazing technology. And so think about it really in your bedroom, like what color light do you have in your bedroom? And you want to just modulate that blue light, especially at night. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. What about sunglasses? I've always had I guess I'm fair skinned, blue eyed. Right? <laughs> I've always had tremendous light sensitivity ever since I was little. I just, I got to go outside and put on my sunglasses right away. <laughs> I love being outside, but I have to wear them. Tell us how we can choose high quality sunglasses. And then my other questions with sunglasses, because I'm assuming you're going to say, yes, you need to protect your eyes <laughs> from the sun. What does it mean when sunglasses are polarized versus not polarized? Do we want to look for that? And then also I have a two-year-old. Should I be putting sunglasses on my two-year-old? And you know, the, the sunglasses that are available for kids are like nine bucks. They're cheap. Like, are, are those actually working? Like, can you speak to those three things? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I actually have, I just did a post on Instagram about this, about how to choose the best sunglasses for your eyes. And I actually have a, a blog as well that I can send you a link to, but, uh, but there's a couple of important things. So First of all, I just want to say it doesn't matter the cost. You can buy a $10 pair of sunglasses. You can buy a $300 pair of sunglasses. What you need to look for is a little sticker on the sunglass that says 100% UV blocking, meaning that it's going to be blocking 100% of UVA, UVB rays that come from the sun that can potentially do damage to your eyes. So too much UV exposure is associated with cataracts. It's associated with macular degeneration, associated with growths and even cancers of the eye. So yes, you want to protect your eyes, but look for that little sticker. The other thing the sticker may say is UV 400, and that's pretty equivalent. Uh, UV 400 basically means that it's blocking any wavelengths shorter than 400 nanometers. So look for one of those two stickers. And again, it could be $9. It doesn't matter. You can get them from Costco. It doesn't matter, but make sure those that sticker is there. Now, in terms of polarizing, polarized lenses are great for when you're out in bright sun, especially now that we're getting closer to summer, or if you're out on the water and there's a lot of glare coming off of the water, or if you're on the, at the beach or on, if you're skiing, if you're, if there's snow and there's glare coming off the snow. So polarized lenses cut the glare but they don't block UV light. So if you're going to get polarized, that's great, but you need to make sure you still get that UV protection. So look for the sticker. The other thing is, and I don't have my sunglasses here, but I always choose sunglasses that are really big. 
Mm. I love like big Jackie O style sunglasses. And the reason is because you just want to protect as much of your eyes as possible. There are late rays that can get in from the side as well. So just the bigger, the better. And also people can get, I was mentioning about cancers. People can get eyelid cancers, eyelid growths. So it will help protect against that as well. Um, Now, some people ask me, well, what about sun gazing? Like, isn't that supposed to be good? Like, uh, you know, there's this trend that where people actually wake up really early and they just get out and they try to get as much sunshine as possible to get vitamin D and people look directly at the sun and they stare at the sun for, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. What I would say is if you're going to do that, don't keep your eyes open because those rays are so powerful that if you look continuously at the sun for minutes on end, and probably most people have done this where they looked at the sun and they get an after image afterwards. You have looking at you know, there's like a little after image that stays for like a minute or so. That's actually bleaching out your cells in your retina. And if it's too strong, it can actually cause a thermal burn. So you don't want to look directly at the sun. If you're going to do sun gazing, keep your eyelids closed and you'll still get the benefit. Those rays will still get in, but just don't do it with your eyes open. Please do not do it with your eyes open. As we enter flu season, I'm super excited to share that we are finally launching a comprehensive immune support product. It's called Immune Support, and it's a targeted blend of nutrients designed to provide a broad spectrum support to the body's immune reserves to keep you healthy and functioning at your best, despite the increased risk of seasonal illness during this time. The formulation includes quercetin, a powerful bioflavonoid that aids in supporting the immune system. Next, it includes vitamin C and N-acetylcysteine as potent antioxidants to promote respiratory function and support the function of quercetin. And lastly, it has vitamin D3 and zinc, which are important micronutrients needed to create a robust immune reserve. This blend includes all of the above, 600 milligrams of vitamin C, 2,500 IUs of D3, 25 milligrams of achelated zinc, 600 milligrams of N-acetylcysteine, and 250 milligrams of quercetin are in two capsules. And this product was formulated with those dosages in mind to be safe for those that are pregnant or lactating. If you want more, however, you can easily double the dose of the product, and it can also be combined with your daily complete multivitamin or my favorite product, mitochondrial complex. Research has shown that those taking this blend of nutrients fare much better with illnesses like viruses, making this the perfect time of year to stock up on immune support. In addition to being a fantastic option for anybody looking to boost immune reserves and support a healthy immune response, a bottle of immune support would fit perfect in your loved one's holiday stocking. Use code immune support for 10% off at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now back to the show. Good, good. Okay, you answered those questions. What about kids? What about my two-year-old? If he's outside for a couple hours, you know, does he, he's blonde, blue-eyed as well. (laughs) Does he need to be wearing sunglasses? If your child's out for a very long time, um, it's hard, especially when they're young, to get them to wear sunglasses. You can make a game out of it maybe, but at least have them wear a hat. You know, just to take breaks, like if they're out in the sun, if they're playing outside, have them come in for a little bit. Of course, it's great to get kids outside, but um, so it's it's really just kind of finding a happy medium. And um, like, for example, I have a teenager and when she was younger, she would listen to me. She would wear her sunglasses, but now she doesn't wear her sunglasses. So there's only so much you can do to try to instill good habits. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about eye exercises? So, which I do not know a lot about, but I think of our eyes as, you know, having muscles per se, and we do need to work muscles in other systems of our body, right? We go, we, we pump our biceps, we work our legs. Like, do we need to work on our eye muscles? Are there benefits to certain eye exercises? Is that something that you're recommending to patients? That is a, a really long uh, answer. <laughs> I, I guess a, a long answer. So I'll try to make it short. So 
First of all, I'll just say that there are no eye exercises that will necessarily improve vision because a lot of people think, oh, if I do these exercises, you know, I saw them on YouTube, I'll, my vision will get better. It's really as a relaxation tool. And I do recommend eye exercises, especially if you're on a screen for long periods of time. So there's a couple of things you can do. One is called eye yoga. And um, you know, when I first heard about this, I was like, what is eye yoga? You know, what, what would you be doing? Do a certain posture, but it's simply, you just sit, sit comfortably and imagine a clock face in front of you. Uh, with the numbers like one through 12. And what you're going to do is you're going to move your eyes in around following the numbers on the clock face. You're going to go 12, one, two, three, four, and just basically go all the way around and do it slower than what I did. So maybe spend two or three seconds at each clock hour and go clockwise. And then you're going to do two or three cycles of that and then go counterclockwise. So that's eye yoga. And it will really just help to relax your eyes, particularly if you're on a screen for a long period of time. Initially, you may feel tightness. You may feel like your eye muscles are really, really tight because they're not used to looking in all those angles and those directions. But over time, you'll feel that your eyes will be more relaxed when when you go back to looking at your screen. The other really quick exercise you can do, and I actually recommend doing this after you do the eye yoga, is you do palming. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this before, but palming is basically you take your palms together, you rub them and you generate some heat, cup your palms, and you just gently put them over your eye sockets. And basically what you're doing is you're preventing any light from getting in. So really any stimulus from getting in and the heat is very soothing and it just really relaxes your eyes. It relaxes your focusing. It helps with dry eye because when you close your eyes, you're lubricating your eyes. So do the eye yoga first and then do some palming. And it's a great way to just kind of break up your day in terms of screen time. Awesome. Awesome. What about, well, speaking of dry eye, let's go to dry eye. I have found in my practice that a lot of toxins can contribute to poor vision, especially mold that can really, really impact vision. Other than toxins, I would say I've found that hormone imbalances can impact vision. I experienced that postpartum big time. Um, And then also really postmenopausally, just having low estrogen can really lead to dry eyes. So I've always been thinking about toxins and hormones for eye health in general, right? Indirectly. And I will give women estrogen if if they need it. You even have estrogen receptors in your eyes, which some patients don't know. But I want to ask you, other than, I know it's hard to not have an hour-long conversation <laughs> just about this topic, I'm sure you you could, other than kind of optimizing hormones and optimizing nutritional deficiencies, we've alluded to nutrition a little bit, like I know fish oil, fish oil is a lubricant, it can lubricate the eye, right? That can help with dry eyes. What are other tips specific to dry eye that you have for our listeners? Yeah. So anyone can have dry eye, first of all. So even kids can get dry eye, but it is much more common as people get older and especially in women. So if I see a woman who's perimenopausal, postmenopausal, and she does not have dry eye, that's actually the exception to the rule. And I think some estimates are, you know, up to 70% of people above the age of 60 have dry eye, something like that. Um, Don't quote me on that exactly, but something in that range. So it's extremely common whether or not you're on a screen. And it does have to do with our hormones. When estrogen levels fall, also progesterone and testosterone, we have these receptors on our glands in our eyelids and our glands secrete oils that help to lubricate our eyes. So when our hormone levels drop, our glands just don't function as well. They may be not making proper oils or not making enough of those oils, and we're just not able to lubricate as much. So in that situation, I love fish oil. So omega-3s, but you can also do plant-based sources of fish oils like uh, chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds. I usually recommend 
at least 2000 milligrams a day, maybe even more in some people, if, if it's safe for you, just check with your doctor. Some of my patients even go up to 3000 or 4000 a day when they have severe dry eye. And then there's a couple of other things you can do. So you can do hot compresses that helps to stimulate the oil glands to produce more oils and keep the oil glands open so they don't get clogged. Sometimes there's really a problem with the structure of the oil glands. So there's actually in my office, I have a camera, it's an infrared camera that can actually image the oil glands and we can see how they are structurally, whether they're functioning well or not. And if they're not, then there is a treatment that can be used. It's actually called a thermal pulsation treatment to really boost those oil glands, get them functioning well and get them secreting healthy oils. And it's called Lipiflow. So you can ask your doctor about that, about Lipiflow. And then there are other strategies as well. So you can do drops, for example, that's kind of the first line treatment. I know we were talking about this before the show, but there are so many different kinds of brands out there. If you go to your local drugstore, you'll see a whole shelf of different types of dry eye drops. If you are sensitive or if you are prone to allergies, I would definitely recommend getting a preservative-free PF. It'll say um, refresh PF or sustained PF or Theratiers PF. So get a preservative-free. They come in single-use vials. So there's basically you, you pop one open, you use it during the day, you throw it out. And then there are some homeopathic drops that are on the market. So there's a really um, trusted company called Similasan. I think it's out of Switzerland, but they make these homeopathic eye drops. They're, they have dry eye drops. They even have allergy drops that are homeopathic. I think they even now have a digital eye strain version. Can eye strain cause dry eyes? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the truth is when we're focused on something for a long period of time, like if we're looking at our screen for an hour, let's say 15 times a minute, that's the normal blink rate. So for people who are looking at screens, it's about four to five times a minute. So it's significantly less. And when you don't blink as much, you're just not lubricating. Your tears just evaporate and symptoms are worse. So try to use the drops do the hot compresses, do those eye exercises I told you about. So the eye yoga, the palming, that really helps. There's just a simple rule that I also, also tell my patients. It's called the 2020 rule. 2020 stands for perfect vision, but for dry eye, 2020 basically means if you're on a screen for a long period of time, every 20 minutes, take a 20 second break. So maybe you take that break. Just like close your eyes or, or just look away or. I actually prefer closing your eyes because that way you're lubricating when you close your eyes versus if you just look away, your eyes still open and it's not really spreading those tears around. So good tips. Good tips. I want to go back to, let's go back to nutrition for a second and, and supplements. So we've kind of talked about antioxidants and food and we've talked about fish oil, but should one take an eye health supplement? We do carry them at our practice. I will say typically because they're high in antioxidants, they're pricier. And I think patients kind of think, well, do I invest in this? Do I not? And I'm sure individuals need to evaluate that based on their current condition and their family history and whatnot. Are there eye health supplements you recommend? What tips do you have there? Yeah. So I am a strong believer in a daily eye health supplement. I used to recommend it for all of my adult patients, but now I'm actually recommending it for my younger patients as well, for children as well, just because of the amount of time they're spending on screens. Amongst the antioxidants, I talked earlier about vitamins A and C and E. There are three specific eye health supplements that the supplements probably contain. They're called lutein, zeaxanthin and mesozeaxanthin. So many people have probably never even heard of them. I like to call them vitamins L, Z, and M for short, even though they're not technically vitamins, but they're carotenoids. They are very potent antioxidants. And the reason why these three are particularly important for eye health is because 
nature actually put them in the back of our eyes. So these are pigments that normally are in the retina in the back of the eye and they serve as a shield. So they're basically like our natural sunglasses, like our natural blue blockers. Whenever light comes in, whether it's UV light or blue light, they absorb and neutralize that light to protect our retinas against oxidative stress and oxidative damage. The unfortunate thing is that these pigments, the lutein, zeaxanthin, mesozeaxanthin, our bodies can't make them. So we need to get them from an external source. And of course, diet is the first choice. You want to get it from green leafy vegetables, orange peppers, yellow peppers, corn, preferably non-GMO corn, even egg yolk has lutein and zeaxanthin. When there were nutritional studies done looking at how much intake people actually had of lutein and zeaxanthin, unfortunately, most people are deficient. And we need about, I'll get a little bit technical here. We need about six and a half milligrams of lutein every day. Most people get only one to two milligrams a day. Even people on the best of diets are probably only getting one to two milligrams a day. And in terms of zeaxanthin, we need about one to two milligrams a day. We're getting much less than one milligram. And mesozeaxanthin, that third pigment, it's actually the most potent of the three. It's really hard to get it from foods. There are some some marine animals, uh, sorry, marine species that have mesozeaxanthin, but not uh, high amounts. So that's why I really do think that supplementation is important. And there are some supplements that have those three pigments, but also have the full range of other vitamins and minerals you need. So you can actually take a supplement that's a more complete supplement that will not only help your eye health, but it'll help your general health as well. So look for something that's more complete and that way you don't have to purchase a separate eye health supplement. You've probably heard a lot about fish oil. It's one of the most common supplements available after all. But have you wondered if you should be taking it and why you might want to think about it? The simple answer is yes. If you don't have access to fresh fish several times per week, you can likely benefit from supplementation and may even need to. I test many of my patients' fatty acid levels and have found that the overwhelming majority of my patients are low in omega-3s. Omega-3 fatty acids are essential cornerstones of human nutrition. They are deemed essential because we need them for proper health, much like certain vitamins and minerals, but unfortunately we can't produce them on our own. As a result, our only option is to consume these fats either through our diet or through supplementation. Omega-3 fatty acids are known to benefit cardiovascular health, support healthy brain function and cognition, and have been proven to maintain a healthy inflammatory response. For all these reasons, achieving the proper balance of omega-3s is an important health strategy, one for which most people require supplementation. Simplified. Fish oil can help improve your cholesterol, glucose, help your memory, reduce pain, even headaches and menstrual cramps. I typically start my patients with 1 to 2 grams or 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams per day of combined eicosapentaenoic acid, which is EPA, and docosahexanoic acid, which is DHA daily. Our Your Longevity Blueprint Omegas are stabilized in vitamin E oil, and rosemary extract is used to ensure maximum purity and freshness. This exclusive fish oil is purified, vacuum distilled, and independently tested to ensure heavy metals, pesticides, and polychlorinated biphenyls, PCBs, are removed to undetectable levels. Plus, our fish oil has the shortest sea-to-shelf time, meaning from fish to bottle or capsule, of only three to six months, as compared to the industry average of 18 to 36 months. Seriously, that means most of the fish oil you buy over-the-counter is old, oxidized, rancid, and not helpful. That fish oil purchased over-the-counter could be three years old already before you ingest it. Yuck. With over 10,000 published studies in the last three decades, EPA and DHA from fish oil are among the most researched natural ingredients available and have a long history of safety and efficacy. Check out more product information on our website, yourlongevityblueprint.com, and use code OMEGA3s for 10% off. Now let's get back to the show. 
Good recommendations. Okay, let's go to my arch nemesis, which is stress. <laughs> How does stress impact vision? I mean, I imagine even eye strain is a form of stress. We know stress, I talk about this all the time on the podcast, stress can rob us of hormones. So we know then stress could lead to dry eye as well. But can you make other connections as far as how bad stress is specifically to our vision? So many connections. So this is something that, again, most ophthalmologists probably have never been told or taught. And it's something that I've just realized in my practice. And I've seen this happen is when people are stressed, their cortisol level goes up and, you know, that's a normal stress response, a rise in cortisol. But when we're chronically stressed, that cortisol level stays high and eventually it may actually start to dip down, but elevated levels of cortisol in the body lead to inflammation. And again, I'm simplifying, but just as a general kind of rule of thumb, there's increased risk of inflammation. And we know that inflammation is a major driver for many eye conditions. It's a driver for dry eye. It's a driver for macular degeneration, even glaucoma. And then also there are a host of other autoimmune diseases that affect the eye that many people may not even be aware of. For example, um, your thyroid. When your thyroid is off, especially if it's autoimmune in nature, whether it's Hashimoto's or Graves' disease, it can actually trigger an inflammatory process in the eye socket. And I've seen so many cases of when people are stressed, their autoimmune eye disease will flare up. Their thyroid eye disease will flare up. Or if they have something called uveitis, which is inflammation inside the eye, that will absolutely flare when people are stressed. And it's almost predictable uh, that, you know, when they go through cycles of stress, that they're more prone to having a flare up. And so it is so important. And I don't know, Stephanie, what your typical recommendations are, but I usually ask people, you know, what do they typically do for stress management? You know, what is it that they enjoy doing? And I try to promote that. So many people, you know, they may think, oh, I need to meditate to reduce my stress, but meditation is not for everyone. Not everyone can do it really. So find an activity that suits you, whether it's some kind of movement or exercise, whether it's listening to music, reading a book, taking a bath, lighting candles, breathing, whatever works best for you to reduce your, maybe it's spending time with family and friends. Maybe that's your stress reduction technique, whatever it is, try to incorporate that. If not every day, a few times a week. And I think it will really help even essential. I love essential oils, by the way, essential oils are wonderful to relieve stress as well. Awesome. I wonder if we, just for a few minutes, <laughs> uh, can go to macular degeneration and glaucoma, because I know a lot of the listeners may already have those or know that they're, they have strong family history of those. I'm sure all the tips you've mentioned today apply to those conditions, but is there anything specific? I know macular degeneration is like your absolute specialty. <laughs> um, can you speak a little bit to, to any, any additional tips that you haven't been able to give yet specific to macular degeneration and or glaucoma? Yeah. So for macular degeneration, one of the reasons why I'm just so passionate about this particular eye disease is because I'm at risk for it myself. I did genetic testing through, through just for fun through 23andMe and it turned out I have a gene for it. So I really decided, okay, there must be ways to prevent this much better ways than what people are told in their eye doctor's office. You know, like we're told eat leafy greens, stop smoking, maintain a healthy body weight, see your eye doctor regularly. Those are kind of the main tips that people are given. But what I've realized is that if you look at the literature, if you look at the studies, there are populations in the world that are at higher risk for macular degeneration, others that are at lower risk. And diet is really the key factor. And we talked about all of those great, great nutrients. You need to get your lutein. You need to get your zeaxanthin, whether it's from food or from a supplement. Um, you need to get all of the other antioxidants. But also macular degeneration, the root causes of macular degeneration are oxidative stress, 
mitochondrial dysfunction, and inflammation. So if you tailor your diet to address all of those things and tailor your lifestyle to address all of those things, your risk will be less. UV protection is important. Blue light protection is important. Stress protection is important and taking the right eye health supplement. So there are so many things people can do to prevent vision loss that really doesn't get talked about much. When you go to your eye doctor, for example, if you go to your eye doctor, you're probably gonna get about only 10 or 15 minutes with your doctor face-to-face. But some of these strategies really require a lot more time to explain and to really help people understand. So I do offer a webinar on macular degeneration if anyone's interested. Um, It's called the Macular Degeneration Masterclass where I go through some of the general strategies. And then for people who do wanna go further, I offer an online course called Eat Right for Your Sight and Beyond. And in that course, I go through really detailed, what are the specific steps people can take to lower their risk? And I actually have a diet I explain. It's called the MAD diet, the macular degeneration diet, M-A-D-D, that really goes through all the nutrients there are 12 therapeutic foods that can help reduce your risk for macular degeneration. So I go through what those foods are and how you can get them in your diet. I have a recipe guide. So if anyone wants to go further, um, please take, take a look at some of that, at some of those resources. And they can also consult with you. I believe you consult nationwide, right? Or worldwide or whatnot. Well, <laughs> well, it is it is limited by some, you know, telemedicine rules, but sure, sure. absolutely reach out to my office and we'll find something that may work for you depending on where you are. Wonderful. Okay, quickly, I want to go back to glaucoma though. So any additional tips with glaucoma prevention? So glaucoma, it's an umbrella term. So it encompasses many different types of glaucoma. There are some that are happen as people get older. Some types happen even in childhood. So depending on the type, the strategies are different, but there are supplements specifically that can reduce the risk of damage from glaucoma and reduce eye pressure. So eye pressure is kind of a metric that we use to determine whether someone's at risk for glaucoma or not, or how they're responding to glaucoma treatment. So some of those supplements include ginkgo biloba, resveratrol, bilberry extract, black currant extract. Some of the ones that have not been formally studied include um, N-acetylcysteine, which I talked about earlier, alpha-lipoic acid, astaxanthin. So there are specific glaucoma supplements out there. Uh, They're usually called eye pressure support supplements. And they may not say on the name glaucoma supplement, but eye pressure support supplements. So definitely look into that. There's another one that I failed to mention. It's called Myrtocyan. And M-Y-R-T-O-C-Y-A-N. And in some studies, that's actually been shown to lower eye pressure by two or three points. So it's actually clinically proven, but unfortunately, most eye doctors have never heard of it. The reason I think people have never heard of it is because unfortunately, there's no pharmaceutical company backing it. There's no pharma, big pharma to say, here, take this supplement. And instead, all these drugs are marketed. So that's just a a side kind of a trend that I've noted or or just a fact, actually. (laughs) Lots of tips. Well, tell me where listeners can connect with you. So what is your website? And I know you also have a free gift. So tell us about that. And so my website is my full name which is www.rudranibanikmd.com. And there you can find, I have a lot of blogs on there. Uh, if you wanted to set up an appointment, you can book it online or you can do perhaps a telemedicine consult, just a lot of information about eye health and brain health also, because I'm also a neuro-ophthalmologist. So uh, as I was talking about earlier, I have a lot of tips on migraines. So if anyone's suffering from migraine, please take a look at some of my blogs. And then I'm also a lot, I'm on social media. So Instagram, Bannock. I have two Facebook groups. Uh, one is called Envision Health and one is called Ion Migraine. So depending on what you're interested in, feel free to join one or both. If you want to get some natural tips on how to deal with some of these eye health issues, the free gift is an ebook, which is six secrets to eye health that people can download. 
Awesome. And we'll post a link to that and all of your links actually in the show notes. So I end every episode asking the guests their top longevity tip. It doesn't have to do with eye health. You can, you can say anything. <laughs> what would your top longevity tip be? My top longevity tip would be, um, I really believe firmly in this, that we need to nourish not only our bodies, but also our minds and our spirits. And really to have good, good health overall, you know, we need to take care of our body, of course, eat right, exercise, et cetera, but we need to pay attention to, you know, just maintaining good brain health through intellectual stimulation. And we need to also address that spiritual aspect. So if you put all three together, you can really try to maintain just good overall health for, you know, a healthy, happy, long life. Love it. Love it. Well, this was very interesting. This was a different interview. We haven't had anyone talk about vision and and eye health. So thank you for coming on the show and sharing all your tips. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, there aren't that many of us actually out there that are in this area. So I love just talking about it. It's truly my passion. And just to get that information out there to the public, to my colleagues, it's just so important. Well, I hope many of my listeners connect with you. And again, thank you for educating my audience on how to keep their vision. Thank you. That was great. Reminds me to get higher quality blue light blockers to wear them to give my eyes more breaks, take my eye health supplements, and even up my fish oil. I hope you found that as useful as I did. And if you have more questions, be sure to connect with Dr. Bannock on social media and her website at rudronibannockmd.com. That's R-U-D-R-A-N-I-B-A-N-I-K-M-D.com. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thank you so much for listening and remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.